Today's readings are Acts 1-8, John 20, 21, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20. From the book of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And from the book of John, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And from the book of Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. King's Quest students, first through fourth graders, you can head to the lobby and find your teachers and you may be seated. Well, Grace, I know we mentioned it earlier, um, but if you weren't here, we wanted to communicate to you guys. We learned uh, late this week of the passing of Pastor uh, Jared Wilkins, who's lead pastor at Park Crest Church. Um, this was something that was wildly unexpected and affects uh, many of us deeply. Um, I know lots, lots of us have relationships with people at Park Crest. That's where Eric Marsh is, who is so known and, and loved here. And so we wanted to take some time to pray together in our service. Yeah, um, I was over there this morning praying with their staff, and I think it's just really significant and important, the networking that has gone on through the hands of Eric Marsh with the churches in this city. So I told them, and they know, I mean, all the churches in the city are praying for them this morning. So we're going to just take a few minutes right now. We're going to stand and pray for our sister church. Um, I would actually la like to ask us to do something that is not very grace. I would like to ask us in this moment to, for the sake of significance of unity with Parkcrest, to, to hold hands together as we pray this morning. I think it's a significant sign of just our unity with them and that we're kind of reaching across the city and holding them. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to move across the aisles. You're going to, it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's just a thing. But we're going to do it because this is our sister church. They're our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are unified with them. So hopefully you have long arms to reach across the aisles if you need to. You can make it work. You don't have to hold hands with everybody. Thank you, Grace. Um, Father, it is... It's a privilege to be able to call Parkcrest a sister church. It's a privilege that we have known Jared as a friend and as a pastor to us as well. And so we unite our hearts um, in grief with them this morning. And we ask for your presence to comfort and blanket them as they are in their service right now, God, that your presence would just be palpably felt, bringing um, just your peace and calm where confusion and hurt and heartache are rife. 
pray that you would knit them together. I pray you would knit the churches of the city together. Pray that we would know our part and our role, but more than anything, we just pray for your presence to be felt amongst them right now. Father, your word tells us that, um, <clears throat> that you are the God of comfort who comforts us in our distress so that we may in turn comfort others in their distress. Lord, we thank you for the many ways that you have comforted grace over the years through many different kinds of distress. And would you use us now as we know your comfort to comfort our brothers and sisters at Parkcrest? Lord, would you be present with Shauna and the kids? Lord, with their pastoral staff and their elders? Would you remind them that in the midst of pain, we have hope. In the midst of heartache, we have your peace. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would send your spirit who could bring peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, with them, we long for the day when you will return and death will be no more. We long for the day that you will wipe every tear from every eye. We're not there yet. And so give us hope in the meantime. Give us courage in the meantime. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. In our uh, pre-service prayer time, we were, we were talking about these things and praying, praying for the service, and somebody had made the observation that I'm now very acutely aware of. If it's hard to lead a service through so many different kinds of things, right? There's excitement around Bianca and what's happening in children's ministry. There's a weight and a sorrow and a grief with um, Pastor Jared and what's happening at Parkcrest. There's an anticipation for what Jesus will do as he promises to show up and, and he's sending us out on mission. And, uh, and Brandon actually said, you know, J Jesus is the one who wept for Lazarus and used his power, displayed his power to raise him from the dead, right? Like he can hold complex emotions. And so we're thankful. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful for that in, in times like these. And so um, this morning, uh, we are going to continue our sermon series on the missional identity of God's people. We're going to look at this concept that we are sent for the world. We're sent for the world. So that was the scripture readings, some of the different ways that Jesus sends his people at the, at the end of his time on earth. That's why you hear, heard those different scripture readings read from some of the different um, authors of the Gospels. But before we dive into that... I would like to share a story. It was the late 90s and I was a junior in high school and I had to take chemistry and it was really, really hard. For whatever reason, God did not hardwire my brain to understand chemistry. I couldn't do it. And if I'm honest, I spent about three minutes of the first day of chemistry class trying to do it and then I decided that it was too hard and I just stopped trying. And every day I would come home and my, my dad and my mom would ask me a very simple, well, two questions, how was your day? And then, do you have homework? To which I would faithfully reply, nope. I had homework, right? 
And they would ask like, how's school going? How are things going? Great. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm not even trying to do a chemistry assignment because it's too hard. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to push myself. So I gave up. And then, you know, like right around this time of year, at least in the late 90s, they would mail home progress reports. And I remember the teacher saying, like, progress reports are coming. Make sure you're working on your grades. I'm like, I got it. It's fine. And so I can clearly remember that Saturday morning when my dad sent me to check the mail, and it was like a long walk from where their house was to the mailbox, and I could feel it in my stomach. I knew what was coming. The progress report with the F in chemistry. And so I brought it in, and my dad said, how do you think this is going to go? I said, I don't know. That was a lie. I knew exactly how it was going to go. <laughs> and he opened it up, and he saw it, and he said this phrase to me, what did you expect? And I had no answer. <laughs> because if I had just taken a second to think about it, like my teacher collected the work every day, she graded the work every day. She recorded it in her book with all the lines. I knew the prior, I was a junior in high school. I knew how this thing worked. I put in zero effort, and for some reason, in my 16-year-old brain, I expected everything to be fine. What was I thinking? He asked me, what did you expect? And I did not have an answer. I don't know what I expected. I don't know if I didn't think that far through. It wasn't important to me. I was just really lazy. I, I don't know what it was. I didn't know what to expect. I should have expected what I knew would happen. I would be found out. My sin would catch up with me. The way things were ordered and structured would continue to work out to the logical conclusion. But for whatever reason, I thought that didn't apply to me. It was silly. It was foolish. It was foolish of me. I should have trusted in my teacher, in her office, her position, her authority. Should have trusted in how the system works, but I didn't. I don't know what I expected. But when my dad asked me this really insightful question, what did you expect? I wasn't left with a good answer. So, this morning, we're going to approach this text with this question in mind. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, then what do we expect? What do we expect will happen? Pick up with me in the book of Acts, chapter 1. It's one verse today, guys. One verse. Really easy. Verse 8. I apologize. I realize again, I did not, I did not check the page number in the, in the Pew Bible. So if somebody has a pew Bible and you can shout it out, uh, that would be appreciated. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 8, chapter 1, verse 8. Say it again. 909. Nine, page 909, if you have the pew Bible. Thank you so much, Joanne. I appreciate you. This is what Jesus says. This is the last thing he says before he's ascended into heaven. According to Luke, this is the last thing Luke records that Jesus says to his disciples. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, what do we expect? 
We're going to start at the end and work backwards today. Jesus says that we will be his witnesses where? In Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said this outside of Jerusalem in the Middle East. We are communicating this message. You are here listening in Long Beach. Church, what did you expect? The message went to the ends of the earth. From where the disciples were standing, Long Beach, California, in 2022, is the ends of the earth. We can trust what Jesus says. He said this would happen, and you are the proof. Here you are, this morning, fulfilling the word of God. You are the proof. The system works. The homework that's not turned in gets counted and it will be reported. This thing is working itself out. You are the proof that God's word is coming true. This thing will spread and grow from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the interesting thing. God's word is living and active. So he didn't just say this to disciples in the ancient Near East. He is saying this to all of his people. So if you would consider yourself part of God's family, then he is calling you to places that are close to your home, that are nearby, and to the ends of the earth. Maybe the ends of the earth for you are back to Jerusalem. Maybe the ends of the earth for you are somewhere far away. Right now, the ends of the earth for you are Long Beach. This is where God, or maybe, I know some of you guys are in Seal Beach or surrounding cities, but God has called you here right now. So I'd like to suggest just a simple framework, an inventory to ask yourself, what is burning inside of me? When you think of God's call to go to the nations, to go to people who don't yet know him, hopefully one of these three things will resonate and, and we'll talk through it. So it could be, as God has sent you to the ends of the earth, that God is, has put a passion on you for people. For people, this could be um, foster parents. This could be kids in the foster care system. This could be uh, your kids' sports team, a group of people. This could be unreached people groups in the 1040 window. This could be you fill in the blank. Is there a group of people that when you prayerfully consider them, you feel that stirring? Ah, yeah, I think this is what Jesus is calling me to. So it could be people. It could be a place. It could be a place or places. As a church, we've prayed for a neighborhood to, to do our asset-based community development um, uh, efforts in. And we felt like, as a number of people prayed and reported what God was doing, that the place God was calling us was to the neighborhood of Wrigley. We have Wrigley coffee here after service every, uh, every Sunday in, in Seca. We've invited you guys, hey, when you take your coffee meetings, when you take your lunch meetings at work, why not do it in Wrigley? There's some great restaurants, there's some great coffee shop, a great coffee shop. Uh, there's some great opportunities there. Can you drive an extra few minutes to invest in this place? When you have some spare time, would you just walk around the neighborhood and pray? Maybe God's calling you to a place. Maybe it's the country of Guatemala. Maybe it's Zimbabwe. Maybe it's Wrigley. Maybe it's somewhere else. So it could be a group of people. It could be a place or places. It could be a problem. 
For some folks, I know I've had these conversations and it's beautiful. God has put a passion on your heart for people experiencing homelessness, for people um, exiting the justice system and trying to reintegrate into, into life. Maybe it's not foster families, maybe it's the foster care system. Where do you see a problem? Is there a problem that resonates deeply in your heart that you can't help but pray for? God wakes you up in the middle of the night and you roll out of bed, drop down on your knees and and enter into his throne room desperately asking that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven in this area of brokenness. People, places, problems. What resonates in you? Maybe you're the coach whose childhood was hard, who found hope in sports. So you want to reach young people. You want to reach young people in this place through athletics. Now there's a combination, right? Well, it's in the city of Long Beach, it's through um, football, and it's young people who have a hard childhood. What is God calling you to? Because here's the deal, if you're part of his family, he's sending you. If you're part of God's family, he's sending you. And it's happening. I can like look as I'm getting to know you guys and see, oh, I know that it's problems. I know that it's place. I know that it's people. We're doing it. What did you expect? Jesus was gonna say this so long ago and it wouldn't come true? It's happening. Do we want to partner with him for the sake of these people? for the sake of these places, for the sake of these problems. Let's keep moving. Backwards, remember, we're starting with the nations. That's where we're sent. So back it up a little bit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So now we know not just where we're going, who we're going for, or what issues we're addressing, but now we have a posture. We are sent to bear witness. We are sent to bear witness. We've talked about this before. We're like witnesses in the courtroom. Our job is not to convince the jury. That's the attorney's job. That's not our job. Our job is to bear witness. I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I am found. I was far away, I was a prodigal, but as soon as I started returning towards home, there was the father on the distance with his arms wide open to embrace me. I don't have to convince you that my father is good, I'm just telling you what I've experienced, I'm bearing witness. Now here's the deal, what do we expect? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Are you a good witness? It's not like we get to choose if we become a witness. We've already been subpoenaed. We are showing up every day, bearing witness with our attitudes, bearing witness with our behaviors, bearing witness with our language. Are you a good witness? Jesus said, what did you expect? Jesus said it, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you might be my witnesses. Possibly on those weeks when you spend like five extra minutes in prayer and reading your Bible, then you'll be, no, 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 no. You are his witnesses. What kind of witness are you? What kind of kingdom are you demonstrating with the amount of worry you carry with you every day? 
What kind of father are you demonstrating with your generosity or lack of generosity? What kind of holy God are you displaying with how you choose to spend your time? What have you experienced of God's forgiveness when there is not that same forgiveness demonstrated to those who have wronged you, who you have a really good reason to hold it against them, just like God has a really good reason to hold it against you? What are you communicating? How are you bearing witness? What did you expect? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. We are his witnesses. What kind of witness are we? We have to ask the hard questions, not just of ourselves, because I have, I'm really, really good at blind spots. I'm really, really good at like, oh yeah, no, the sermon was good. How I snapped at my kids afterward, like, don't worry about that. That's not as important. No, maybe that's more important. Maybe I need my wife to touch my shoulder and say, you need to calm down. You're justified in your anger, but it's too much right now. Because I'm bearing witness to my children. I'm bearing witness to what kind of father I follow, I serve, I say I love. And more often than I care to admit, it's not a good witness. So I'm not standing, I know the, I know the stage is tall, I'm not standing up here above you in judgment, I am here with you. And just like so many of you, I know we want to be good witnesses. I have not yet met one person at Grace who's, who's talked to me and said, you know what? I really want to do a horrible job of showing people what Jesus is like. <laughs> Thankfully. Right? Nobody says that. None of you guys wake up and you're like, man, I cannot wait to be short-tempered with my family today. No one wakes up and says, you know what I'm excited for? One more day of bitterness. <laughs> we don't do that. We want to do the right thing. We want to be good witnesses. Jesus told us we would be his witnesses, and Jesus was fully human, so he knows what we go through. He walked with the disciples. He saw the passion in Peter that wanted to do the right thing, and in one second, he got it right. You are the Messiah, and in the very next second, no, Jesus, you'll never die. You'll never be crucified. And he said, get behind me, Satan. He's not surprised when we drop the ball. But what did we expect? He is a good God. He doesn't send us out as witnesses alone. Back to the text. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Church, what do we expect? We shouldn't expect God to send us out as orphans. We are not abandoned by him. We should expect that he would be with us, that his spirit would dwell inside of us and amongst us, together individually and collectively as God's people. We are sent with power. When's the last time you felt powerful? If Jesus' word is true, it will go to the ends of the earth. We are testimony of that in Long Beach, California. His word is true, we will be witnesses, and we know the days that we're good witnesses and when we're bad witnesses, then we should also expect the power 
of his spirit to empower this mission? When is the last time we felt powerful as a church? Now, this is when I get into the uncharted waters of the sermon. And I don't have well-thought-out points for you. I just have stories. The Spirit has been doing something. I've talked to you guys. You are bearing witness to this. Two Sundays ago, Beth led us in a time of prayer. And at the beginning, everyone was like, what are, what are, I don't know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And she said, just pray with each other. And something happened. And I stood back there behind the sound booth and I started to look around and slowly groups of people started coming together, putting their arms around each other's shoulders and tears started flowing down cheeks. The spirit showed up. In talking to you guys, I heard things like, I don't know if I've ever felt that before. I can't remember the last time I felt that here before, but the spirit was doing something. And so I, I, I said, okay, Jesus, keep this going, please. And Jesus encouraged me to speak to a brother in this room and, and he gave me two images. Now, I don't come from a charismatic background. I don't claim to have a gift of prophecy. This was not profound. I said two things. I feel like the Spirit wants me to tell you when God looks at you, he smiles and he's happy you're here. And my friend was deeply thankful. I started that conversation by saying, can you let me be awkward? And he said, sure. And that was my half joke because this is not in my wheelhouse. This is not in my comfort level. I didn't know if it was from me or if it was from the Spirit. I didn't know, and I felt awkward, so I said, can you let me be awkward? And the Spirit did something. So then last Sunday, um, in our pre-service prayer time, Jake Barnes sat here, and he talked about a pain in his shoulder. And we prayed for him, and I'm like, all right, Jesus, like, you showed up last week. Are you going to, like, what? And, and Jake felt, like, a little better, but it wasn't like, you know, the rays came from the sun, and there was a, right? It wasn't that thing, right? There was no, like, angel, like, oh, we didn't have that moment. And then later, I had this sense that Jesus was saying, there's a burden Jake is carrying that's not his to carry. He needs to give it to Jesus. That's why there's a pain in his shoulder. It's too heavy for him to carry. Medically, that makes no sense, okay? I felt super awkward but I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna be obedient, so I waited three days. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. And then I said, hey, dude, I feel like God wants me to tell you something. Sorry, it's gonna be like weird and awkward. And he said, stop it. We believe the Spirit communicates to us. Stop calling it weird and awkward. And I had to receive that rebuke because we follow Jesus. What did we expect? He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We believe that we're witnesses. We believe this thing works. We're sitting here in Long Beach, but then when we start the verse with the power from the Spirit, we're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's for the garden. Maybe that's for those other churches that are like woo woo and like, you know, that's a... Grace, what if it's for us? What do we expect? When is the last time we felt powerful? I didn't think I was gonna share this, but apparently I'm on a roll, so. Um, a few of our staff uh, were in here praying um, Thursday morning for today. And I don't claim to have the gift of prophecy. I felt an urging from the Spirit. 
And I felt like Jesus was saying he's going to do something miraculous that we cannot understand, that we don't have a theology to like logic our way out of, that he is going to reveal himself to us in an unbridled fashion. Now, you have to understand my first flinch as your co-lead pastor, I wanted it to be like, yes, Jesus, hallelujah. It wasn't that. If I'm being really honest and vulnerable, I was terrified. Because this is what I know. I know that God has gifted me in certain ways. So when I like stepped into youth ministry, I'm like, I know I'm relational enough. It's not gonna totally fall flat. I've been a teacher, I've been a trainer, like I've done public speaking. I know when I get up on stage, like it's not gonna totally fit. Even if like the spirit of Jesus is not here, like I can rely on my giftings enough. It's not gonna be horrible. May not be great. I'm not the like spirit feel charismatic guy. I, ha I, I don't know how to lead in this. Other than to say, I expect Jesus to keep his word. I expect the word of God to be authoritative and true. And the word of God says we will receive power for mission when the spirit comes on us. Now we have the spirit, the spirit is present. Spirit has been here at Grace long before any of us were alive. I'm not, it's not about that. Spirit is everywhere. We're going to move into a time of prayer, and I'm gonna encourage us to ask for the power that comes from the Spirit. I don't know what this means, I don't know what it looks like. I'm putting it out there. I'm taking a step of faith because this is not something I can rely on my own giftings and strength for. And I'm asking you to come alongside and be open to the power of the Spirit. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna to turn to one another, we're gonna to pray together, I'm gonna to pray for us and then we're gonna to pray together and I just ask that we're open. If Jesus gives you an awkward word for someone, go pray with them, go say it. Don't say it's awkward. <laughs> I'm giving us permission to be awkward. We're just gonna take a step of faith. Are you guys with me? Thank you. Jesus, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. Jesus, we desire you. Increase our desire. Jesus, you brought me and my family here because this church said they wanted to move out into the community on mission. What did we expect? You're doing it. And so now we come to you as you are calling us forward in mission, asking for the power of your spirit. We don't even know what that means, but we know that you are a good father. Your word tells us that if we ask you for bread, you won't give us a snake. If we ask you for an egg, you won't give us a scorpion. So we trust you. And we invite you to move and to work as we pray with one another right now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.